So uh, the one question I, or the one comment I hear all the time is, Oh, are all your clients rich and or you'd have to be very wealthy to get a personal chef and actually it seems like that but a lot of people who eat out actually save a lot of money with personal chefing hey islanders and welcome to episode 143 of the commando voice today i speak with the founder of rainbow eats please welcome courtney borisaw Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. How's your week going? Uh, we had a Memorial Day weekend over this last uh, last weekend. Of course, this is going to come out a week after that because, you know, recording times and all that stuff. But uh, weather wasn't super great, but still had a good weekend. Um, not that anybody would know this or probably care much, but uh, Real Madrid, who is the football slash soccer team uh, I support, uh, won a very big tournament over in Europe, and so that was very exciting. They were considered the underdogs in that game. So that was my weekend, very exciting. <laughs> Besides that, mowed the lawn and got some stuff done. So anyways, overall, a good weekend. Uh, anyways, um, today I interview Courtney Borisaw, who is the founder of Rainbow Eats, uh, which is a catering company. Uh, she does personal chefing, and she also puts on these amazing farm-to-tables uh, that my wife and I were actually able to go to uh, at Rachel Pigott. I don't know if you remember her podcast, um, but she has Island Harvest Farms. We got to do it over there uh, and had a fantastic time, really good food. Um, so I'm hoping to maybe do that again this year. Uh, so she does all of that and more. Um, so I got to sit down with her, talk to her a little bit about how she got started in the business, uh, how she kind of pivoted from, uh, you know, culinary and then deciding that she wanted to go out on her own rather than jumping into a restaurant or something. Um, and, uh, I also wanted to note in this podcast, um, this is actually recorded shortly after, um, her stepdaughter passed away, um, from an inoperable brain tumor. Um, and she had just actually gotten back from the memorial service, um, which was out of state. So she had flown back in and come to do the podcast. Um, of course I didn't know all of this during the recording and we kind of find this out as we go through, but, um, just amazed by her strength and, um, you know, pushing through everything. Um, and, um, yeah, so I have a lot of respect for her and what she's doing. Um, also really enjoy the food that she makes. So um, we will get into all of that and more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Courtney Borisaw. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of Rainbow Eats. Welcome to the podcast, Courtney Borisaw. Thanks for having me. And I just realized that I didn't ask about the last name. <laughs> that, that is actually right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I got that one. All right. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Courtney. Um, my name is Courtney Borisaw. I'm 31 years old. I'm a mother to four children wow. um, and I've been married a couple years. Um, I grew up in uh, Los Angeles and I moved to Camino Island, oh, nine years ago. Okay. Nice. So uh, 
How was growing up in L.A.? Were you, like, in the main city part? Um, I was in L.A. County, but I was outside of L.A. in a small town. Um, It uh, lacked a lot of diversity and wasn't, like, your typical L.A. city. Okay. Um, But we were homeschooled up until I was in high school. And, um, yeah, it was very different than life here. Yeah. And... um, was that pretty, was homeschooling pretty common in that area? Cause no, no, my parents just decided we started off at a private Christian school when we were kids. And then, uh, I think first grade, my parents pulled us out and decided to homeschool. Okay. So. Yeah. Cause, uh, we moved up here from Tucson, Arizona and in Arizona, uh, like nobody homeschools. <laughs> um, and so we moved up here and my parents were like, well, where's the school system? And they're like, well, Camino doesn't have one, but Stanwood does. And then after we started getting to know people, they're like, well, we just homeschool. And my parents were like so you don't school your kids? And like, no, we homeschool. <laughs> and so it was just funny because, like, California, it's not as common for homeschool. Right, it's not. Do your kids go to public school now? We're, they're kind of all over the place. We've oh, got okay. some in, one in public school, some in uh, private school, some in, like, homeschool slash private school. So oh, okay. they're they're all over yeah. the place. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah, very cool. So um, uh, growing up then, um, how many, did you have a lot of siblings? I have three siblings, an older half-brother and two younger siblings, a brother and a sister, but I was the oldest in my household. Okay. Got it. So how was that growing up? Were you kind of typical older sister? Still am. I have the (laughs) bossy personality and, um, the, I do a lot more than my siblings. They're kind of, they fit in their roles well too. Um, but we, we had a pretty chaotic house life. And so my childhood wasn't that fantastic. Um, when I was about 15, I moved out of my home and okay. was kind of on my own after that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It uh, Birth order is such a fascinating thing to me <laughs> really because is. when you start looking into it, it's it's true across the board, regardless of culture, background, mm-hmm. or financial standings. Or mm-hmm. like, it's just really interesting how yeah. it always kind of. Are you oldest? Place. No, no. I'm actually uh, youngest. Oh, then I won't so. tell you what I think of my younger brother. <laughs> Yeah, someday I'll get my sister on the podcast, but I don't know how well she's going to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She'll probably pick on you. Yeah. No, she's great. Um, awesome. So then um, uh, when you were going to school, to, or when you were, as you were getting close to kind of graduating and all that, what what were you kind of thinking at that point? Like, were you just planning on just jumping into work or looking at colleges or... So neither. I didn't have a typical... I didn't graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting into a lot of trouble, and um, I kind of ran around and did some illegal activities for the first couple years of adulthood. And then when I was 21, I got clean. So I have, on May 1st, I'll have 10 years clean. Wow, congratulations. Um, thank you. And um, so I started my adulthood off pretty rough. Okay. And then when I was 20, 21 years old, I got pregnant with my first son, and my grandparents live here on Camino Island. And uh, my grandma said, hey, move up here. Uh, We'll help you get to college. And um, I didn't look back. So I moved up here when I was six months pregnant with my son. Okay. And went to Skagit Valley College. And that's where I did culinary arts. Yep. Very cool. So for you then, uh, because I know, uh, you know, I've listened to interviews of people who have kind of come out of rough situations. Mm -hmm. For you, what was that? What was the point that made you decide, like, no, I'm going to change this? Um, the last time I was in jail, I had a friend there who had, uh, gotten out and when she was in jail, her mom passed away Mm. and she wasn't there for her mom. And I kind of understood the, 
just seeing her hurt, how much that really affected her. And I thought, uh, with all that I had put my mom through, I felt like it was time to just shape up and get my life together. Um, and then I was six months clean when I got pregnant. And that was kind of like, I feel like God kind of said, like, this is going to be the thing that, like, really defines your life. And that's who you're going to be as a mom versus the things that you were beforehand. Yeah. So. Cool. So then um, upon coming up, you said you moved up here when you were six months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then um, at that point, you decided to start going to school as well then? Yeah. So I did online classes uh, at Skagit to start off until I had my son. I had my son in June. And then in September, I went to school full time at Skagit Valley College. And I actually graduated early with highest honors. Um, And I, I just loved like doing like doing well in something good. Yeah. Um, and I did all the extra stuff that I could. Um, and that's actually where my business started is when I was in school. Okay. Nice. So that's a, I mean, that's a ton to juggle because, uh, I mean, we've got four kids, but it's, it's a lot like <laughs> having a kiddo starting to go to college and everything. Um, how did you decide on culinary arts? Um, I can't even remember the moment. I know that when I was in, um, before I was pregnant, I was in um, a sober living home and there was a lady who would uh, employ some of those staff there and she had her own catering business. And I remember being so intrigued that uh, like a, a human being could have their own business. Like I, I didn't understand small businesses yeah. at that point. I just thought everything was corporations and like big companies. And so she had started her own catering business and I was really intrigued by that. And... Um, that's where I kind of developed my passion. My my dad is half Lebanese, half German, but he grew up in Honduras. Okay. And then my mom, before she met my dad, dated a Korean for a long time. So they had all these like different cultural food aspects that they brought in oh, and amazing. that I grew up with. So I had all kinds of food that I grew up with. And I always really liked cooking. But more than cooking, I really enjoyed hosting. And I think okay. that's kind of where I get my passion for like the farm to tables is that like almost experience versus just feeding people. Yeah. Yeah. So. Very cool. So um, one of the, uh, uh, my previous guests on the podcast, uh, Brian, who's our head roaster mm-hmm. next door, uh, he was like, <laughs> I, he was talking about you and he's like, oh yeah, I know Courtney. And yeah, so, he was, um, yeah. he, he worked at the college when I worked there. So, okay. And we've done a couple caterings together too. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It was, it was fun uh, talking with him because I, you know, I just think of him as like the head roaster, but then he started talking about the food and like yeah. the stuff he started doing. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. So that's cool. Very cool. So then, um, you, so when you were there, you said you worked there a little bit as well then. Did you work at the college? So when I started going to school, I didn't have to work. My grandparents helped me out financially and and I got a lot of, because I was a single mom. So I applied for a lot of grants. So I was taking care of there, but in my second year, I think it was, you have to do an internship and you have to work at a restaurant there's not any other personal chefs. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, being the oldest and bossy, you don't want a boss. And so <laughs> I knew that I wanted my own business. Um, and, but I did an internship. I started off at the Camino Island Inn. Okay. And then I went to Rockaway and then I finished off at Nelthorne and LaConnor. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and in that time, somewhere in between that time, my teacher would get emails from people wanting the school to cater and if they couldn't do it, they would offer it to me. Um, and that's how I got my business started is just their referring me. And I was really nervous. Like, I don't know how to cost anything out. I don't know how to like run an event. 
Um, but my teachers were really supportive um, and they actually helped guide me into like starting my business and figuring that out. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. So then what was that like when you, you, they were like, here, here's someone that wants a catering thing and it was your first one. How did you kind of go, how did that kind of go for you? Well, first I felt really honored because, um, I don't think they do that very often. I felt like they trusted me. And for like the first time in my life, I had somebody that I looked up to that also almost looked up to me and like honored who I was. Um, so that felt really great. And then, um, I, I remember the first one we did, I worked with another student who helped and we sat down with the people that needed the catering and he's like, okay, how much do you charge? And we're like, we have no idea. So he's like, <laughs> so here's your budget for food. Like I'll give you 500 bucks to spend on food. And, um, how much do you charge an hour? And I was like, well, I make 13 bucks an hour. And he's like, how about 25? And I remember being like so shocked that I was getting 25 bucks an hour. <laughs> and, um, I was like, okay, good deal. And, um, it just was like trial and error. And I ended up moving back to LA for about a year year and a half, um, after I had graduated and that's when I really started my business. And it was as simple as putting an ad on Craigslist and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no experience, no training in personal chefing. And I just kind of like built a system and that's gosh, seven years ago. Um, and I'm still tweaking things and like figuring things out, but it was pretty much just putting myself out there and figuring what worked and taking a lot of feedback Um, I always had, like, I always offered open communication to my clients and said, like, if there's something you don't like, let me know. If you too much salt or bigger portions or smaller portions, like, let me know so that I can get to know you because everybody is different. Yeah. But at least having that, like, uh, understanding of how my clients are really helps. Yeah. So how, where did you guys, um, like, how did you get the capital? Because there's also, like, you know, there's equipment, there's all the different things. How did you kind of get into that? I just I just started doing things. So, like, with personal chefing, I didn't really need any equipment because I was just going to people's homes. Okay. Um, and But with catering, like, every time I did a catering event, most of the, rep, like, profit that I made off of it, I would go buy more catering equipment and stuff. And with catering, people will make deposits. So usually I would use that deposit, that initial deposit, to go buy any equipment that I needed. Um, and I mean, I don't even know how much equipment I have. It's a big storage (laughs) unit full of equipment and probably half of it I don't need. Um, but every event, almost every event, I have to buy some piece of equipment and just build it up that way. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, so you moved back down to LA then and you Mm -hmm. started doing some events down there or Mm -hmm. personal chefing. Both. Yeah. Both. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, what kind of led you back up to here then? Uh, I realized I hated it down there and I didn't know why I moved back. It's hot and dirty. And even though I didn't go back to anything that was bad for me, I still, I just love being in Washington. Um, I really like being close to my grandparents. Um, I felt like I had more resources here and I did worry about when I moved back because I didn't personal chef when I lived up here originally. Yeah. Um, I did worry about clients, but in my first month, I had three steady clients nice. from moving back. So my business actually, and I probably would have done well in L.A., but it did better here in Washington than it ever did in L.A. So nice. it worked out. Very cool. Well, I, I also think that has to do with your your passion of being there. Because, like, as humans, like, we, we are able to sense when someone's not happy yeah, or is excited. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah. you being back in your, you know, what you think is your home now is yeah, great. Definitely. So um, as you kind of got with personal chefing and stuff, um, 
you know, I don't think a lot of people have a, a huge amount of experience with that. What do, how does that kind of work for, yeah. for people? So uh, the one question I, or the one comment I hear all the time is, oh, are all your clients rich? Mm-hmm. And or you'd have to be very wealthy to get a personal chef. And actually, it seems like that, but a lot of people who eat out actually save a lot of money with personal chefing because what I tend to see happen is um, people will go out on a Sunday and they'll buy all their groceries and then they don't want to cook. So all the groceries go bad and then they eat out in addition to that. And so a lot of my clients um, spend a lot less doing personal chefing. My clients have a Google Docs account. Every week they upload their menu to it. And then they also have like any dietary restrictions or things they don't like. So like right now I have one that's not eating tomatoes or um, somebody who doesn't like olives. And I base their menu around that. Um, All my clients have a certain way that they eat. um, And... They could say, like, let's say, for instance, they're keto. If they just say in their Google Docs, we want lasagna, I know that that needs to be a keto lasagna. And so I just, like, accommodate their special diets that way. Um, So they upload it there, and then I'll go out and do the shopping right before I go to their house. And then I come to their house, I cook everything, I package it up, um, and then I leave. I charge hourly for that, and then the clients pay the cost of the groceries. Um, And some of my clients will do, like, cooking classes. And so I've had clients where... I'm preparing their meals for the week and they're in the kitchen learning how to use a knife or how to, you know, prepare something or how to season the meat or whatever it is. Um, So I, I like the personal chefing because it's kind of like that steady um, income. And then it's also like my quiet time. Most of my clients are gone during the day when I'm there. So I get to listen to my podcast and, you know, have conversations in my head and it's kind of like my um, escape from everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So then do you, is it kind of a uh, either or as far as like menu planning and stuff? Like the clients can either like say, hey, we're really in the mood for this. Or if they don't have ideas, can they just say, hey, can you throw together a menu plan? Yeah. So it used to be when I first started up here, I had a client who would, it would be like five minutes before I left to come there and they'd be like, we want to eat this. And so I started doing like, you have to give me 24 hours notice. Yeah. Um, and then some clients were like, we can't we just forget too much and there's too much reminders and you know us so well, would you mind picking out our menus? And at first I was a little hesitant because I was like, what if I don't know what they like? But most of my clients I've had for three years or more and I know exactly what they like. And so if they don't upload anything, then I just go in there and I pick what they want to eat. And yeah. They like it too. So that works awesome. out. Yeah. Very cool. So then how, how did you balance building the business while also raising four kiddos? Well, I didn't have four kids until recently. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one of my kids is my stepdaughter. Um, and uh, I didn't meet my husband until um, 2017. Okay. So we each had a kid when we met. And then we just had, we have a two-year-old and a one-year-old together. Okay, wow. <laughs> but um, I did plan my pregnancies around my busy season. So the last two pregnancies. So my two-year-old was born in November, and I was, like, fully pregnant all through summer. Um, <clears throat> and then my last one was born in February of last year. And so I just make sure that I'm not um, delivering a baby when I also have to be at a wedding or yeah. something. So, um, But it it is hard sometimes because there was times where my husband was gone on the weekend and I would have three kids and I'd be out shopping for a 200 person wedding with three kids. And so it's a lot of work. Yeah. Wow. 
So then, um, how has your uh, business evolved over time then? As you started with personal chefing and then started doing catering, how's that continued to evolve? Um, so with personal chefing, I feel like I've got to the point where I have a pretty good understanding of like what people's needs are. Um, and I have a pretty good understanding if somebody's serious about it. Like I get a lot of people that inquire, oh, I want to change my eating and I want to do this. And you can almost always tell right off the bat if they're going to be committed or not. And um, for me, that's really important. I want somebody who is invested in this. And yeah. I've had clients where they order food every week for years and I'll go in the next week and half the food's still in there. And it's just like they want to eat out or they're not home. And so um, I feel like I've built these really good relationships with my clients. Um, and I would say that a lot of them are like family to me. Um, but I have a system that works really well for me with the Google Docs and like the contract and just like the expectations that I have. Whereas when I first started, it was like, I don't care who you are or what you do. Like, I'll just take the business yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do when they start. And then same thing with catering. Like when I first started catering, I didn't really understand all the pieces that went into it, which is very common if you've never done it before. Right. Um, but now that I have a really uh, wide understanding of like what I have to do, what other vendors have to do, what my clients have to do, um, I've I've expressed that to my clients and um, basically have it where um, we know what we're like getting into when we like agree to a contract. So. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So then, um, on top of that, then you've started, you've done a lot of um, like farm to table mm -hmm. events. Yeah. When did that kind of get folded into the mix? Um, I had seen somebody do it on Instagram and. Um, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Cause I, when I went to Skagit Valley college, they had like a garden outside and a lot of our uh, field trips were going to like local farms, um, lo local butch butcher shops. And so I kind of got that passion for local stuff there. Um, and then Rachel uh, from Island Harvest was at a farmer's market here actually. Yeah. Um, and I approached her and was like, Hey, do you want to do farm to table? And she's like, Oh, liability. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we'll figure it out. And so she, like opened her farms to me and let me take uh, that space and has been amazing. And I love doing that there. Um, but I've also done a farm to table at Hoppy Hollow and I'm going to start branching out this year and doing more at other places okay. too. Very cool. So what, um, for those who, who don't know, what makes a farm to table different than a standard catering event or something else? Um, so a farm to table event is like First of all, there's ticket sales. So like a catering event is usually where I work with one client. A farm to table is going to be open to the public. So anybody can come and purchase the ticket. Um, the I think not just with catering and personal chefing, but uh, in general, my farm to tables are really unique because um, everything is 100% local. So all the fats that I use, all the spices that I use, seasonings, all my ingredients, my flowers are local, my decorations are local, my candles are local um and um it's more of like uh it's not just about the food but it's definitely about the experience and then also yeah. there's a part where you get to learn about um you know your local farmers or where to source things or not everything has to have the label organic for it to be good for you yeah so. yeah very cool yeah um that's one of the biggest things i think when it comes to retail or um Really, in, as we moved more towards this like digital age of like Amazon and ordering online, and half the stuff you do is just on a computer. Um, 
what we're finding is like people aren't like they don't need more stuff. They can get stuff on right. Amazon. <laughs> but what you can't get on Amazon are experiences. So like yeah. the marketplace when my dad designed it was this whole area was designed to be an experience for people. When they came to Camino, they got to see the beaches, they got to get um, some bakery items and have an experience here that they got to take home with them. Yeah. And it's something that you can't just go buy it, right. you know, online. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so we've actually been able to, my wife and I were able to go to one of your guys' farm tables. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a great time. It was great to see everything. Uh, it was really good. Um, Thank you. And um, so one of the things that stood out to me is um, you had your farm table and at that event you had a theme to mm-hmm. it. Yep. Um, is that true for all of your farm tables? Mm-hmm. Yep. So typically what I've done, um, last year I only did that one farm to table. Um, but the two years before what I did is early in the season, I would pick my themes based off of like what was in season. Um, and then I would plan my menu around the theme. Okay. Very cool. So, uh, what are some of your favorite, or like, do you have a favorite theme that you've done at a dinner? Yeah. Last year's was my favorite theme. Um, and I'm going to (laughs) cry, but, uh, it was in honor of my stepdaughter. Okay who um, had terminal brain cancer. Uh, She just passed away last week. Um, But that was so much fun, and we did it kid-themed. And um, I just felt like, one, everybody had been cooped up from the pandemic. And that was my largest farm-to-table. We had a ton of people. We had 50 people, which I think the most I've had is like 38. Yeah. But... uh, I wanted to do a play on kids' food. And so we did, I don't remember everything that we did, but I, w- I do remember the mac and cheese, mostly because it took forever. <laughs> um, and then chicken nuggets. But I wanted people to, like, guess and play around. I wanted it to be an experience. And yeah. um, I felt I had a lot of fun doing that, like bringing plates out. And people were like, what is this supposed to be? And, and then when people would guess, I just felt like it was really exciting. So Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And there was prizes for if you guessed it mm-hmm. right. And, um, yeah, I'm, that's very the cool. The raffle, too, is, like, one of my favorite things to do. And we've done that at every event. And it really came because I had all these beautiful flowers out there. And even with my staff taking some, like, we couldn't take them all home. And so, and it also, people wanted to tip. And I didn't want to have a tip jar out. And I wanted people to appreciate the workers, the yep. staff, um, and do it in, like, you know, a classier way, not like a tip jar. And so we ended up doing, you can buy a raffle ticket and then, um, for like a candle or for, um, a a bouquet of flowers. And Rachel will usually donate a basket of produce and, uh, my chicken farmer will donate, um, chicken or something like that. So I like doing the raffle too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, it feels like we're finally moving into a year that we have more things open and we're kind of re-getting integrated in society. Um, What's kind of your this year look like planned out for you? So Rachel and I have been going back and forth. Um, Usually what I do is I wait till like the majority of my weddings are booked and then I book uh, or I'll schedule the farm to tables around them. We are going to have five. So June, July, August, September, October, um, which is what I did in 2020. And then 2019, I think I did four. Um, Actually, I did four in 2020 also. But um, I feel like those each have like their own kind of season season to them here. Um, 
we're still figuring out the dates only because um, we're trying to work around other people's events here on Camino. Yeah. Um, and be respectful of that too. So hopefully by the end of the week, we'll be able to release those dates and um, you can find the dates either on my website at rainbow-eats.com or okay. on uh, Rachel's website, Island Harvest Farm. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll have that linked in the show notes okay. for sure. Cool. Thank so. you. Awesome. Cool. And then are you already starting to plan out like your themes on those guys? Not yet. Um, we just got back. We were in Oklahoma for a couple months with my okay. stepdaughter. So I'm just getting, I just went back to work yesterday and still figuring out life. And, um, but I am really eager to get those, um, dates put out there so people can put them on their calendars. Yeah. So. That's very cool. Yeah. No, we had a great time last year and, um, It'd be fun. I'm going to see if I can get, um, you know, a couple more people involved this time and get yeah. a, a small group to go out to it again. I do appreciate that everybody wanted, to, most everybody wanted to sit at the big table. In in 2020, of course, people wanted their own tables. Um, but for me, you like connecting people. And, and you did you guys know anybody there really besides no. Rachel? To me, that is like the best part is so many friendships are created. Um, people go home with friends that they never even knew before and so yeah. I really do enjoy that part but yeah. it's good to bring friends too yeah no I, I it was a again it was great to see it all and yeah uh, to be there and then we got to do the little uh farm walk around yeah. and all that yeah. so yeah awesome all right and then um do you have any other type of events or things that you have coming up in this next year um so I will be doing a couple events at Happy Hollow she does oh, nice. um uh on Friday nights she does like a happy hour. I can't remember what she calls it, but, um, so I'll be doing food at some of those events and then, um, possibly some more in Cedro, but those are to be determined. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I just had Kate on the podcast oh, recently. Oh, okay, cool. I was talking about the different, uh, summer events that she's got going on. Yeah. So, cool. um, yeah, hopefully I, <laughs> summer fills up so quickly. So it I'm does. like, I don't know if we can or yeah. not, but it'd be <laughs> great to get out there. It yeah. sounds really fun. Oh, you haven't been there yet? No, yeah, it's I've really been beautiful. out to check out the yeah. different events and live yeah. music and stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. Cool. very cool. All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? I got in and out a couple days ago. Aww. And that's like my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. I, I heard that they're opening one in Oak Harbor. Did you hear that? No. I don't was know if that, it's true. Was that on April 1st? <laughs> no, somebody told me that. Okay. If they're lying to me, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> but growing up in LA, like in and out was my thing. So I got it. Less than a week ago, and yeah. Nice. Favorite oh, purchase. Man, I'm jealous. I love in and out <laughs> All right. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Man, that's such a hard question because I don't feel like there's one person in my life that's really influential. I feel like there's so many people in my life, yeah. and um, they all have a piece of them that I really admire. So yeah. I'm just going to have to go with everybody. Yeah, very cool. All right. This is a fill in the blank question. So it's, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Have 10 kids. Have, oh my goodness. <laughs> I would seriously have like as many kids as my body would allow. If, if my husband were, we're getting old. Um, <laughs> we can't have 10 kids at this point, but maybe we'll adopt later. Yeah. Very cool. That is my, uh, my wife and I, when we were getting married, um, we were both like, well, yeah, we want to have a big family when we get married. And so they were like, someone asked like, well, how many kids is that? And so Brittany goes 12 and I go three. <laughs> There's a big difference there. Slight difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we, we tended closer to what my number what was. What did you settle we on? on? We're on four now. Okay. So we had settled on five and then we had our fourth son and 
like we had twins, uh-huh. and then 20 months later we had our first son, so two girls and a boy, and we're like, okay, if we can handle three kids under two, like we can get through anything. Right. And then we had our fourth son. And he had his nights and days mixed for the first six months. Like, nothing kept him happy. Like, he was always, like, pretty happy, but he just was so busy. Right. And we're like, I think we're done. Looking forward (laughs) good. I always say that I got tricked into having more kids because my first son was an angel. And (laughs) my second kid was a little bit harder. But my third kid, my daughter, my one-year-old, oh, my goodness, that girl is sassy. She's something else. Yeah, it's just great how each kid is so different yep. and they just, yeah, each one, you know, throws you for a loop every yep. day. So, <laughs> very cool. All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Um, have What about Carrie Parks? Have you interviewed no. here? Okay. So, Carrie Parks, uh, she's out of Arlington and she's also a flower farmer. She's okay. a good friend of mine. K-A-R-I. K. And she has Flourish Organic Farms. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Um, I don't know. So at 20, I was still using. um, But I don't know that I would go back and change anything that happened in the last 10 years. Um, I think I would say just just do what you did because I'm really happy with where I am today. Yeah. Very cool. Well, it seems like you've you've come through so much and to to get to where you are and... um, that's, that's really neat to see all that you've accomplished at, at this point. Thank so, you. I appreciate um, that. Very cool. So before we go, tell the listeners uh, where they can find you on the social medias, websites, all that stuff. Um, you can find me Instagram. I think it's rainbow.eats. Uh, Facebook is Rainbow Eats. Um, and then you can find me uh, on my website, rainbow-eats.com. Okay. All right. And we'll have that all linked in the show notes. And be sure to... Uh, keep checking the website for those dates as those start coming out for those uh, farm-to-table dinners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Courtney Borisov for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to tomatocommons.com slash podcast. That's tomatocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.